Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. As a practicing psychiatrist, Dr. Jennings sees patients on a regular basis and, I'm sure, has helped hundreds do something that we all need to do at one level or another. He has helped them restore their minds. What does that look like? What does that feel like? This program is sponsored by Common Reason Ministries, and Dr. Jennings joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, what are some of the signs that our minds need restoring? And in your experience, how exactly does a restored mind think differently than it thought before? Maybe we should differentiate between mind and heart hmm. and brain. Good. Because I, I think sometimes we use these interchangeably, and they're not. A lot of my patients just talk about the difference between mind and the brain. Mm -hmm. The brain would be analogous to a computer's hardware, the machine, mm -hmm. anything physical you can touch. So the neurons, the glia, the brain chemistry, so forth. This is what we impact with physical treatments, whether it's old shock therapy or more modern transcranial magnetic stimulation, or whether it is with a psychopharmacology, various medications. These are interacting with the brain itself mm -hmm. to impact brain function. And, and some people with mental health problems, they have brain-based problems. An obvious one that most people would recognize, late life Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. This is a disease that actually destroys the brain tissue over time. And we see that people don't think normally and they lose memory and they can't focus and they can't process anymore. The brain is being destroyed and therefore their mind doesn't function well. Mm -hmm. But what is the mind? The mind in general should be analogous to the software of a computer. And so if you think about the computer software, you and I, Charles, both have an English software package. Yes, we do. <laughs> and, and you think about the English language that we speak. Yes. That English language was not genetically pre-programmed. We were not born at birth, predestined or pre-programmed biologically to speak English. If we had been raised in, in different families in other countries of the world, we'd speak those languages today. Right. English language was uploaded after birth. I can't open your brain and touch English anywhere. No. I can touch the hardware where that software has been uploaded and operates, but it is not the language I'm touching. It's the actual hardware that I'm touching. Mm -hmm. And you think about your mind now. English language is part of your mind. When you get up in the morning, do you ever turn that on? Do you say, well, today I'm going to think in English? <laughs> no, no. Neither do I, because I only speak one language. So it's always on, and everything in my world gets filtered through English. Now, some people are blessed to be bilingual or trilingual, and they can actually think in different languages. I can't do that. They have a very robust language database that I don't have. But again, that is still not biological. There's a biological correspondences to that, as there are with every activity you engage in, but there's a difference between brain and mind. Now, do you think English language, Charles, is the only software package that got uploaded into your mind in childhood? I would say no. I would think that there's all kinds of things that were uploaded during childhood. And when you look outside and you see a object that has a trunk and green leaves on it, you see a tree. Yes. You don't, yes. You don't see a baum. No. That's the German word for tree. Right. In other words, that object is what it is, but it filters into your mind through the language of English. That's true. A German true. person would filter it through German. They would, they would see the same object, but it would trigger a different software response than you and me. Mm -hmm. Okay? We have different filters we've uploaded through life experiences, our belief in God or not, 
our belief about male-female relationships, our belief about individual rights versus state rights, freedoms and liberties, and so forth and so on. All of these things and who we are and how much we're worth and our value, all these things are part of the software. They're not biologically pre-programmed. They're part of the learned experiences of life. Mm -hmm. And they can be learned and they can be unlearned. Now, when the Bible speaks of the heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, he is talking about a subset, not the entire software. He's talking about a subset of the software. The heart would be analogous to your core self, mm -hmm. your true identity, your character, if you want to call it that. Are you kind or are you cruel? Are you loving and compassionate and altruistic? Are you selfish and exploitive and manipulative? Are you honest or are you deceitful? That is the heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's the type of person he is. Regardless of how he is sophisticated enough to learn how to present a false facade to the world, mm -hmm. the Bible knows what the true heart is. And so our language software does not determine our heart. Just because we speak English or German or French or any language doesn't determine whether you're kind or cruel, honest or dishonest, and so forth. And so when we then talk about the different elements, there's the brain, the physiology, there's the general mind, which is all the various things we've learned, the software, and then there's the core character qualities, our core self, our heart, our heart motives. Mm -hmm. And what the Bible promises us here and now is the Bible promises us a new heart and right spirit. We get new heart motives. The fear and selfishness, which we're all born into and which tempts us, can be replaced with love and trust in God. Mm -hmm. The love casts out the fear, and we can live lives of fidelity and honesty and integrity and so forth because we've had a change of heart. That's what God promises us. So people that have still physical illness— biological, brain-based illness, depression, bipolar disorder, so forth, can still be honest, kind, true, love, trust God with their lives, even though they struggle with depression and discouragement. And you read about people in the Bible. Jeremiah had depression. David had depression. Many of God's faithful people struggle with depressions, yet they were not cast off and they were not lost. That was a brain-based problem that they were struggling with, but their hearts were still true to God. So, Dr. Jennings, I want to have the best brain, best mind, and best heart or hardware software and subset of software available. How do I go about doing that? Every organ system of your body's primary purpose is to serve your brain. Yes, yes. And so to the degree that you make lifestyle choices to maintain physiological health, you maximize the health of your brain, which then makes your hardware function most efficiently, which allows your mind to develop to the greatest depths and capacities. Mm -hmm. Now, the way your brain and mind interact your brain processes data and brings information to your mind, and then your mind makes decisions based on that which react back upon the brain, causing brain changes and pathway changes. Yeah. For instance, if you hear a loud bang, the brain processes the bang and alerts you that a bang happened. Yeah. Bang! Yeah. Okay, but then your mind interprets that. Your mind may interpret a car backfiring, and if so, then you, when, as soon as your mind says, oh, that's a car backfiring, it sends a signal to your brain, ah, it's nothing, relax. But if your mind interprets the bang as, oh, that's a terrorist with a gun about to break down my door, then that interpretation sends a signal to your brain. There's a danger and a threat activating your amygdala, your fear circuitry, sending a signal to your adrenal glands, kicking up adrenaline. Your heart rate picks up. Your blood pressure picks up. Your body gets into fight or flight mode. And that's all response to what your mind did in interpreting the noise of the bang. And so you take that and you apply it across the board. If you decide to, to learn to read ancient hieroglyphics, 
or you decide to learn to play chess. These activities are not genetically pre-programmed, but if you study chess and practice and play or learn ancient hieroglyphics, your brain, because you're activating to do those abilities, will begin developing new circuitry, new pathways, which enhances your ability, and you get a greater circuitry interconnection, which allows for better and more efficient either strategic playing in chess or a better understanding of reading the hieroglyphics and so forth. So our brains are constantly in a state of flux and change based on the directives and activity of our mind. So first order is physiological health. Second order is what am I putting into my mind? Mm. Where am I spending my time? What am I reading? What am I doing? Albert Einstein, after his death, his brain was biopsied and he had significantly less neurons per cubic centimeter than the average person. Less neurons, but he had significantly more neuron-to-neuron connections than the average person. And it's those neuron-to-neuron connections that make complex networks for complex information processing. Now, how did he get that neuron-to-neuron connections? Because he spent hours deep contemplation, thinking, and problem-solving on issues that develop those networks. And so if you want those networks to develop, you have to exercise those abilities. And so that then takes us back toward what do we spend time on? We have to unplug from the entertainment systems of this world, which are designed primarily to keep us from thinking and reasoning, spend time digging into God's Word, because there's nothing on planet Earth that can really expand your abilities like God's Word can, because God's Word brings you in touch with the infinite God. And when you're in touch with the infinite God, you're challenged with concepts beyond just human construct and ability and will take you to depths of discernment and thinking that you have never contemplated before, and you will develop yourself in ways you've never developed before. And so that is the healthiest thing you can do, physiological health, spiritual health, and then making wise decisions in the use of your time. Dr. Jennings, the name of the program today is The Mind Restored. Are you saying that these actions that you're talking about will restore our minds? Ultimately, they will, because they restore us into a healthy relationship with God to live out his methods and principles. Mm. But the ultimate restoration is when this mortal puts an immortality and this corruption puts on incorruption. We can have a healthy mind and a healthy heart that operate and live on God's principles where we love God and others more than self now, but we still may struggle with depression. We still may struggle with physiological problems that impair our ultimate ability to carry out the things our heart would long to carry carry out. And you see that even in the Bible, where the Bible writer in, in Romans 7 says, all the things I want to do, sometimes I don't do. Yes, He's talking yes. about old habit patterns and yeah. conditioned responses that reflexively come out in certain times. That's biological stuff that undermines our mind's full ability to do what we really want to do. Wow. And we won't have the full, complete restoration until Jesus comes, but we can have a mind restored to trust to love, and to the principles of God now. Oh, I like that. This is a journey, as you have said often on this program, and God has offered that ultimate restoration when he comes. But until that time, we can certainly make moves to move ourselves down that road toward that restoration. Is that what I hear you saying? That's exactly right. We can have healthy minds now, mm -hmm. healthy minds mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. that are operate in balance and on God's principles, but that doesn't mean we will have full restoration to God's design until he returns. This is not easy sometimes, Dr. Jennings. You've mentioned that the world is set up to keep us from doing that, to keep us from moving along that restoration line. How can we live in the world, yet at the same time not be in the world? How does that work? You're exactly right. The world is set up to tempt us to put things into our mind that are destructive to us, yes. but we have the power of choice. 
And it's up to us. The devil cannot get anyone to sin, and the devil can take no one out of God's hands. So he only tries to distract us with all these things of the world, and that's where we have to make the decision in governance of ourselves. It'd be no different on the physical or spiritual side. On the physical side, there's all types of things that we're tempted to put into our bodies that that are harmful to our health. And the wise person is discerning and chooses a healthy lifestyle with healthy foods, clean water instead of polluted water, and so forth. Rather that the either ignorant or foolish person will put things into their body that are actually harmful to them. Same thing with our minds. The world tricks us to believe lies that it really doesn't make any difference what you put into your mind or what you watch or what you read or what you look at. It doesn't matter. That's all That's all just you know a lot of old ancient religious garbage. No, it actually does matter. The laws of reality cannot be changed. And, and by beholding, we are changed. So what we spend time on watching, reading, and focusing upon neurobiologically and characterologically changes us. So our goal is to, in governance of self, choose those things which are, what's the same Philippians, whatever is noble, pure. Good report. Good report. These are the things we are to focus our minds upon. Well, Dr. Jennings, today you have given us a roadmap to move us toward that ultimate restoration when Jesus comes. There are things we can do now. And listener, if you'd like to have some ammunition, if you'd like to have some some data and some help along that journey, CommonReason.com is just filled with uh, resources that help us do that and give us a clearer understanding of who God is and our relationship with Him and how we can help restore bits and pieces of our minds as we're moving toward that ultimate restoration down the road. That's at ComeAndReason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, Charles. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>